Voice of St. Louis original podcast. Our news team's been out covering everything you need to know from across the St. Louis region in this edition of the St. Louis All Local. Today is Thursday, January 25th. I'm Michael Calhoun, our top local story. Republican Senator Bill Igel is defending his actions in Jefferson City, telling the DGS on KMOX that fellow Republicans not part of the Freedom Caucus have started doing petty things. Like stripping our chairmanships to try to silence our voices. They, were t- they took our parking spots. Today, Cindy O'Loughlin actually called for my expulsion from the Senate. Igel says making the status quo uncomfortable is exactly what's getting movement on bills. But Senate pro tem Caleb Rodden disagrees. They uh, have decided that they're going to basically halt every anything from happening. We haven't really even gotten to the business of getting to the point where I can refer bills to committee and have those bills heard and bring them to the floor so that we can start talking about the substantive, uh, you know, policy and in our case, conservative things that we'd like to accomplish. Maria Kina, KMOX News. A new report sheds light on how a North St. Louis nursing home abruptly shut down before Christmas. The Missouri Department of Health and Senior Services released a 61 61- page report of what happened. State inspectors showed up to Northview Village the night of December 15th when the owners shut it down. Marjorie Moore, executive director for the nonprofit Voice, who's an advocate for nursing home residents, says the part of the report that bothers her most, no one was in charge when it shut down. None of the leadership of the facility um, stepped up and, and said what to do. It seemed like, you know, from reading it, it seemed like the administrator didn't step up and take charge of the facility, and I think that that's something that that person should have done. The report also indicates some residents were taken to one facility when their medications were taken to another. Stuart McMillan, KMOX News. In a follow-up from this morning's story on the newly opened Homer G. Phillips Hospital in North City, it is still facing a lawsuit that could change its name. The Homer G. Phillips Nurses Alumni President, Yvonne B. Jones, tells KMOX the suit was moved from federal court to state court last month after numerous delays. It had been postponed three times as far as a summary judgment, and uh, we couldn't, both sides agreed that we couldn't keep postponing it. The alumni have trademarked the name Homer G. Phillips and believe the name should remain in the Ville neighborhood to truly honor the legacy. Jones says they have no issue with the hospital, just wish it would use another name. The city of St. Louis is discussing its own version of Blair's Law, which would ban celebratory gunfire. All the legislation is co-sponsored by Alderwoman Pam Boyd and President of the Board of Aldermen Megan Green. It was the mayor's office, in particular policy director Casey Milberg, who gave the presentation on the legislation today. Milberg says it's identical to Blair's law. It's just copy-paste of what the state legislation is at its core. Um, It's colloquially referred to the style of it as trigger legislation, um, which means that once the state legislature passes and the governor signs it into law, it would then take effect. Blair's law was passed at the state level, but vetoed as part of a larger omnibus bill by Governor Mike Parson. The legislation was held in committee as they continue to finalize the language of the bill. In St. Louis City Hall, Sean Malone, KMOX News. St. Louis police are investigating a shooting at 13th and North Tucker downtown. Police say an adult male was shot in the back, his condition not known. Homicide has taken over a shooting in the 3800 block of Missouri. Police say the male victim is in his teens and was barely breathing or conscious when they arrived. The teenager was shot in his head. A plan to tie together funding for Ukraine in the border appears in jeopardy after pressure from former President Trump to reject it. Missouri Senator Josh Hawley on Fox News. They want the border open. Joe Biden now all of a sudden acts like he's just discovered there's a border problem. He created it. 
He wants this border open because this is his agenda to totally crash our immigration system. Well, he thinks a proposed cap of 5,000 migrants per day is too high. But Senator Mitt Romney says Trump doesn't want Joe Biden to get credit for signing an immigration bill. I think the border is a very important issue for uh, Donald Trump. Uh, and the fact that he would communicate to uh, Republican senators and Congress people that he doesn't want us to solve the border problem because he wants to blame uh, Biden for it is uh, is really appalling. Are Missouri and Illinois doing enough to control tobacco use? Not according to a new report from the American Lung Association, Missouri bombed in four of five categories, getting F's in spending on tobacco prevention, smoke-free air, tobacco taxes, and allowing the sale of flavored products. Illinois got a mixed report card, a couple of A's, a couple of F's, and a C. The Lung Association wants both states to spend more on tobacco control and Missouri to pass more smoke-free laws. Several states fared worse than Missouri. Alabama and Georgia flunked all five categories. Scott Jagal, KMOX News. The KMOX Business Desk, Arch Madness, is sticking around. Missouri Valley Conference basketball fans will continue to converge on St. Louis in March. The MVC announcing today that they have agreed to a contract that will keep the league's men's basketball conference tournament in St. Louis through at least 2028, with the contract including an option to extend the deal to 2030. This year's event will mark 30 years of the tournament being played in what is now known as the Enterprise Center. It was also previously played inside of Keele Auditorium and the St. Louis Arena. Matt Pauley, KMOX Sports. One of the most successful brand ambassadors in advertising history will be back for the biggest show on television. That would be the Budweiser Clydesdales returning to the Super Bowl after taking last year off. In fact, Anheuser-Busch will be one of the biggest advertisers with two and a half minutes of ad time during Super Bowl 58 with time for Michelob Ultra and Bud Light. The Clydesdales have been part of AB's Super Bowl advertising since 1975. The Clydesdales will also be in Las Vegas for the big game. Debbie Monterey, KMOX News. A group that's normally aligned with Republican issues is vowing to fight one major GOP effort in Missouri. Missouri Realtors, a traditionally pro-business group in step with Republicans on many issues, is fighting back against so-called initiative petition reform. First of all, it's undemocratic. Scott Charton is with the Realtors Political Action Committee, Missourians for Fair Governance. A multitude of proposals being considered by the Missouri legislature would either make it harder to put an issue before voters that seeks to change the Constitution or require more votes for a constitutional ballot question to pass. Let's use a real example. The legislature last year, there was a proposal to, to put it at 60%, just for the purposes of this discussion. That means 40% of the people uh, would be denying the will of 60% of the people. That is undemocratic. GOP lawmakers say their efforts are in response to the recent constitutional change allowing recreational marijuana in the state, as well as moves to enshrine abortion rights in the Missouri Constitution. Megan Lynch, KMOX News. Well, as we continue on KMOX, it's a pleasure to welcome into the studio Congresswoman Nikki Budzinski of the Metro East. Thank you so much, Congresswoman. Thank you for having me. I uh, want to start with uh, something that's been in the news. We've been following the negotiations when it comes to immigration and Ukraine funding. What do you think can, can happen, given the disconnect, now the former mm -hmm. president's getting involved? What do you think can happen? What do you think a compromise might look like? Well, we really need a bipartisan compromise um, as it relates to bi uh, bipartisan immigration uh, piece of legislation to address 
all of the different needs. We need to be um, securing the border, I think, is critically important. Uh, we need more funding to be going to the border. And we need a bipartisan piece of legislation to really address, I think, a legal pathway for folks that want to come legally into the United States um, and get legal status. We have a broken immigration system in this country. I was following as well the bipartisan talks in the Senate. Um, and deeply disappointed that it seems like the Republican leadership in both the House and the Senate are more interested in playing political games, scoring political points ahead of this upcoming election season than getting to the work that we really need to get to, which is the crisis at the border, finding a bipartisan solution to address comprehensive immigration reform. It's why I've actually signed on to a piece of bipartisan legislation to do just that, uh, address the border crisis that we have today, finding more funding for the border, uh, more border patrol agents, more investments in technology. We need to stop the thousands of illegal immigrants that are coming across the border. But again, this legislation called the Dignity Act would actually then also create a pathway for uh, legal status for folks that are looking to come in legally. I think we should be able to do that. We need to get to that work right now and stop with the political games. Something else that's been in the news that people have been following, fellow Illinois and Tammy Duckworth weighed in on um, the Boeing situation. She talked to the Boeing CEO, and she said Boeing keeps offering assurances that it won't put profits ahead of passenger safety, but the company's actions speak louder than its words. So, As someone who flies, what did you think when you saw the news about the blowout uh, mid-flight? And, and do you think the feds need to step in and push some changes to Boeing's behavior? Yeah, we need to be making sure that uh, there is safety in the air, that we passenger safety is first and foremost a top priority ahead of profit. Um, so I think Senator Duckworth is really doing a great job of shedding light on the situation, uh, keeping, uh, you know, creating accountability for Boeing and making sure that we're getting the answers to the questions as to why that happened, how we can prevent it in the future. And we're protecting passengers as as we rely on air travel as one of our really important modes of, of communication or, or transportation, I should say, in this country. Now, you're finishing up your first year in office in Congress. A major story that we've talked with you about multiple times, uh, Granite City works, the potential sale of U.S. steel. Uh, is there anything new when it comes to the federal government reviews, Department of Labor, uh, the possible foreign, you know, concerns, any of those different uh, aspects that are underway? Any updates on those? Yeah, I am. I am concerned about the news of a potential sale by Nippon Steel purchasing um, Granite or U.S. Steel, which is the owner of Granite City Steel. Um, some of my, the biggest concern, quite frankly, that I have is around the workforce. You know, since I've gotten into office in this first year, really advocating for more investment, investment in the workers in Granite City. We have some of the most highly skilled workers that for generations have been making steel in this community. I think this community and Granite City Steel should be invested in, not divested in. And so some of my concerns are that it seems that Nippon Steel is indicating they're going to follow a lot of the business plan of U.S. Steel, which would mean a potential move from Granite City down to Arkansas. Um, and so I've been advocating since day one for more investment. I've highlighted for U.S. Steel a number of different federal grant opportunities that they could take advantage of to make additional investments in Granite City Steel and in the people and in the community. And I'm going to keep with that fight. Um, the potential sale of Nippon Steel, we've met with Nippon in my office um, to advocate for Granite City as a part of the sale and, and future investment, excuse me, but it seems like the sale is likely to potentially go forward on a third or fourth quarter of this year. We're going to continue to monitor it and continue to advocate for the people of Granite City. As far as you know, the, the Suncoke 
outsourcing of much of the facility in, in uh, Granite City. Would that happen before the Nippon transaction finalizes, or does Nippon intend to follow through on that once they take over? What do I, you know about that? Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest questions, is Suncoke had a proposal on the table prior to this potential sale. Uh, whether that could move forward now that the sale is is kind of pending, or whether it's something that would have to wait until if Nippon you know, actually does purchase U.S. Steel, if that's a part of, of Nippon's future plans. So we'll have to find out. Um, and wait and see. But I think what I can be doing is just continuing to fight, again, for the people of Granite City, for the community, more investment um, in a very unique um, steel manufacturing site in the United States. We make some of the most unique components of steel not made anywhere else in the United States. So, you know, why shut that down? Why not invest? Why not continue to keep those good paying jobs in Granite City? I'm Michael Calhoun. Thank you for tuning in. You can subscribe and stay up to date on your favorite podcast app.